Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Show. I'm Stu Whiffin. Joining me this morning, always, Blake Harrison. Hello. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, of course I'm all right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone from the UK that loves MMA has woke up great today. And we know why, right? Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic. What? What an achievement. Insane. What an achievement. I mean, we, we're going to have to do, uh, you know, an unusual thing by not starting at the main event. Oh, 100%. Uh, we've not spoke about this yet, we, but I was thinking we can't not, start with like, the main event. We <laughs> can't big. start with the main event. There's only one place to start, and there is a new heavyweight champion of the world. Yes, it's interim, but, you know, whatever. And he's a UK guy. He's an English guy, and his name is Tom Aspinall. Oh. oh, his full name, Blake. Oh, former guest of the show, <laughs> Tommy Espinel. Espinel. Tommy, Tommy Espinel. Oh, so good. Yes. And I mean, let's just jump straight in. I mean, I don't think anyone particularly thought, I mean, I think I might have said that he, I, I think he's going to um, choke him out in the second round. Um, yeah. But I, I think Tom said this, this is going to be quick either way. Like I, I, you know, these these yeah. are two devastating. I think there was so much attention on Pavlovich's power that I think people forget. And even in the post fight, Tom was like, "I've I've got power," <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, and it's speed as well, isn't it? That was the thing. It's, speed it's the was speed. That. Like I, I did think to myself, there's definitely a situation where Tom explodes in with a one-two uh, and 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 catches him, and that's it. Because, but I think almost anyone in that division can knock someone out because it's heavyweight and that's what it's four ounce gloves. It's heavyweight. But what Tom's got, he's not necessarily got that death touch that Pavlovich has got, although he might have to be fair. He's finished so many fights early, but I think it's the explosive speed. Mm. He comes in with such speed and explosiveness and the the first punch in the, in the, in the finishing sequence, if we just got straight into it, the first, like he kind of went, Jab almost in his chest, then his right hand hit the temple, and he was wobbled immediately. 
as soon as that happened, he was wobbled. It was like, then he landed almost like another sort of one-two after that. And then he was on the floor and, and, and that was it. It was... Uh, and also, in the, in, the, in the kind of moments leading up to that moment, Tom took a big shot. Mm. I think he took a left hook. Wore it well. And he, his mouthpiece, mouthpiece nearly came out. Mm. I think he had to quickly kind of shove his mouthpiece back in before it fell out of his he mouth. He looked composed. Looked very composed. After that, there was a bit of head movement. But, you know, as someone that's such a big fan of Tom and wanting to see Tom do well, Pavlovich landed that left hook. You see the mouthpiece sort of come out of his mouth, but you're like, oh, but he's, he's worn it well. And then... Tom did that thing of like Pavlovich, I think, swung for him with a combination and Pavlovich kind of stuck his head back at uh, Tom, sorry, stuck his head backwards and kind of slipped a couple of shots. But but in a way where his chin was right in the air and his hands weren't up and you were like, oh, mate, that is a dangerous game to play. And then he just exploded in with that one, two. And Jesus, man, it's right, so brilliant. I have never been more. Right. So did you watch it this morning? Did you wake up and watch it? I woke up this morning at about. Uh, I actually, for for us, had a bit of a lay-in, which was about half seven, and uh, and then got up and and watched the fights. And I started with the main card because obviously I didn't want to ruin anything. Mm. Got through the main card and then went back to the prelim. Mm. But uh, the kids and and the wife were up um, uh, by the time Aspinall um, was fighting, and um, uh, they, they because I did uh, the show recently where uh, for TNT Sports where Tom Aspinall was a guest. Like this is like days before he realised he would fight for the belt. Uh, they sort of feel like they they know him a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think they said they said on the show that he, he the kids they were like he looks like a, a granddad that's just had Christmas dinner because he was so laid out. <laughs> Like on the sofa <laughs> as we were having this uh, live watch along on TNT Sports, uh, and and that's how the kids describe that. It's like, oh, it's like the granddad on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, man, like that, and we were all jumping up when he did it. Oh. It was like a great little family moment. I I, I went I went a bit relatively early last night, and uh, with the intention of you know, probably getting up around the same time as you and, and watching it all and then doing this show. Um, I woke up at four o'clock this morning and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to go back to sleep. I was so excited and worried yeah. for Tom Aspinall. Like, I'd completely forgot and wasn't worried about the Yuri fight. I was just, it was for me, it was like, Aspinall's got his shot. And and I laid down, tossed and turned. Anyway, at five o'clock, I just got up and I was like, right, start with the main card. And I, I don't even know if I could have caught that fight live. I maybe could have, but I just put it on from the beginning and I watched the, the, the card, which obviously we'll discuss on this show. And when it happened, everybody in my house was still asleep and I was like literally jumping around my front room with the most muted, yes! Like my arms were <laughs> all over the place and I was screaming at the top of my voice, yeah. but no words were coming out. It was like, oh God, I really want to share this with someone. And and I didn't want to then go on the socials because I thought, now we've got the bonus of getting to watch Yuri fire. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then when you messaged this morning, I was like, can we just hurry up and get this show done? Because I, I need to explode about yeah. how amazing that was. And I mean, what a dude, man. Like post fight speech phenomenal. I mean, let's, before even the fight began, right. When, um, they're called into the centre octagon. What a moment, oh. right. Arms on each other's oh. shoulders. Like loved it. And then, Hugged it out, 
and then literally knew that they were both going to try and knock each other's heads clean off their shoulders. But the respect between them two, right from like all through media week, has been yeah. fantastic, and 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 it was lovely to see. It, it, it really was. From everyone, really, as well. There's been not really any beef on this card. I don't think Prohaska and, and Pereira had any beef. I don't. Uh, Frivola and Santani, both like uh, army veterans for their respective countries. A lot of respect between them as well. It's been a really respectful week, and I've loved that. But particularly, I think it hit its peak in that moment that you just said, where Aspinall and Pavlovich are about to take on equally... Both the, the the biggest fights in both their lives. They're both now fighting for the UFC belt in in circumstances that no one would have foreseen. And Tom just puts his hand on his shoulder. Pavlovich reciprocates. The sort of hugging, it, and then rather than just touch gloves, they they give each other a little bro hug. And then like brilliant, absolutely brilliant. A guy from Russia and a guy from uh, from the north of England. And, uh, and yeah. And, it's and it's, what, it's like, what this sport needs more of. It's what this sport needs. Like, don't get me wrong. I know that the beef sells and the, the trash talking sells, but I, I'm all, I'm here all day for that. I absolutely love that. It, it was, it was brilliant. And, uh, God, yeah, just, just, just what a moment. And what does this now mean? Going forward, firstly, like the emotion on him when he won. I love, I love his dad. I actually got to chat briefly with his dad, who was an IT guy, and then taught himself jujitsu by buying VHS tapes. We, we, I'd love to get him on the show. I said this to him when I did that thing. Uh, obviously, we didn't know what was what was coming a couple of weeks later. But when I did that thing for TNT Sports, I was chatting to him. I was like, "We'd love to get you on the show because he's just like crazy stories, just teaching himself jujitsu yeah. from watching videos." And then going into tournaments and winning, and then all these he would obviously know, but like the all these high class jujitsu trainers from around the world would watch him at tournaments and go, "Who's his trainer?" He's like, "Oh no, he's self taught." He's like, "Why is he only like a, a blue belt?" Oh well, because he, he doesn't really know. He got a blue belt off of someone that saw him. He's like, "No, he should be a brown belt." And he's like, gets given belts at these things, being like. You're too good for that to have wow. this belt. Like, I'll tell you what. Because he, it's amazing stories. I'd like to see, like, if, if Mummy Aspinall's, like, five, six, they need, to have a look, <laughs> they need to have a little look at the milkman because, like, his, his old man's, like, a pretty short guy, isn't he? Like, where the hell did yeah. Tom come from? <laughs> no, I know Tom's massive. I mean, I, I, I met Tom's brother. Uh, well, we, when we did the um, for UFC London last time, I, I bumped into Tom's brother, who's again. I reckon it's nowhere near as big as Tom. Mm. He's he's not as wide, and, and he's probably a couple of inches shorter. But again, he's it's a tall lad. He's not like I'm not mm. short, and he was taller than me. So uh, yeah, it's funny seeing uh, this huge heavyweight, six foot four, six foot five guy built like a brick shit house, and his dad is. <laughs> Absolutely tiny. He probably could have picked up his dad and cradled him in his arms at the age of about eleven. Um, right. But yeah. Moving forward, right? I'm 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 caught up in the moment, right? So hold on to this, Harrison. Right. Oh, here we go. If it happens, which I don't think it will, he knocks out Steve Payne around. If it ha- oh, that will never happen. If it happens and he fights John Jones, he stops him. He goes through Jones. Seeing that on that. So what, two weeks notice, injured for 10 days with a bad back? Well, that's the other thing we haven't mentioned. Apparently, two, three days into his training camp, he pulled a muscle in his back and basically has not trained. So he got the call, 
trained for a couple of days, injured himself and basically hasn't trained since and mm. then just went and did that to Sergei Pavlovich, mm. who's the number one guy in the division. I mean, it's outrageous. But carry on. I, I know where you're going with this, but, but go on. Destroys Jones. Like... Absolutely. I mean, it, I think he'll just it, it wrestle the hell out and, and, and destroy Cyril Garn. I, I, I don't think anyone's going to stop Tom Aspinall. I know I'm caught up in the moment, but I, I can't see yeah. it. I was sitting there before we like we, 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 we joined the, 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 the chat to do this, and I was just thinking, we haven't seen much of Jones, obviously. We, we saw the Garn fight, and we didn't get to see a lot. Obviously, we've seen a light heavyweight John Jones look average at times, you know, towards the end of his hiatus. Um and I just wonder if old man Bones is going to be able to deal with the speed. I mean, yes, he's as he's as skilled uh, in in uh, a multitude of uh, disciplines as is Tom, but I wonder if if Tom's size and speed to a to an aging Tom uh, Tom Jones to an aging John Jones <laughs> <laughs> Tom Tom Jones he's got no chance. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I think like at the moment. I think it's a very winnable fight for Tom Aspinall. Uh, John Jones, I, not Tom. Uh, I, 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 Who's going to stop him? So, uh, no, look, I, I'm with you, but I'm trying to be pragmatic. Don't be excited and get hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, here's the thing. When you look at, I mean, I'm taking Stipe out of the equation. Stipe's not going to fight anyone other than John Jones and that's it. Mm. So Stipe's not even in the equation. I love Stipe, but when he walked into um, in the arena last night, I saw the footage of him walking in. He looked like an old man. But that's why I was never excited about mm. the John Jones-Stipe fight. There was nothing in that fight for me. Um, but I still think they're going to try and make it happen. Yeah. Um, John Jones versus Tom Aspinall. Now, let's look back at where John Jones has struggled in the past. He's struggled against people that match him in size and, and like length and stuff like that. He's not had problems with like necessarily like power punches. He's not had problems with great wrestlers, great jiu-jitsu guys. Stylistically, he's struggled at points when the person that's opposite him matches him for physical attributes. You're talking Gustafsson won. Obviously, he dominated him in the second fight. But the first Gustafsson fight, that was a close fight. The Dominic Reyes fight. You could. There's people out there that score that for Reyes. Oh, I scored and look that at where for Reyes. Reyes. Has gone now. I scored that yeah, for Reyes. And, 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 and that's and that's not a controversial pick. Mm. Um, Kiss a death so ring, though, people, that fight. Yeah, so someone like Tom, who is can not just match him in terms of height and length, but also is a natural heavyweight, just a naturally big guy. And on top of that, all right, people might go, yeah, but what about Cyril Garn? As we've seen, Cyril Garn has got next to no takedown defense, and it does look like there's potential that he was overawed by the fact that it was John Jones. Tom ain't going to be overawed by John Jones. Tom ain't going to have problems in the grappling. Could he get out-wrestled by John Jones? Maybe. It's a question that I'd love to have answered. But Tom's grappling is so good that he would be lethal off his back or be able to, to sweep and get top positions on good wrestlers. Whether he can do it to Jones or not, again, I, I don't want to go over the top. We don't know. But the, I don't see John being able to match Tom for power, for speed and explosivity. I, I really don't. I think it's going to be... It's a fight I'd want to see, mm. ultimately. There's questions that need to be answered with regards to that fight. And if someone said to me now, John Jones is fighting Tom Aspinall in six months, ten months, whatever it might be, when he's fit and healthy, 
I personally would favour Tom Aspinall. And I know that sounds crazy. A lot of people probably roll in their eyes. Maybe we are getting carried away. You can't... John Jones is the greatest to ever do it. But he is getting older. Mm. And I think Tom is just so bloody good because, look, it, he's not struggled I with I don't anyone. think he's even in his prime no yet. One's, no one's even given him an issue at the moment at heavyweight. So... Yeah, man, I I would favour Tom. I, I I really, really would. Um, so yeah, maybe we're crazy. Maybe we're getting carried no, away. I but I fuck don't it. Think Who so. cares? I don't think so. Like you say, nothing's causing problems yet. Obviously, there's the, the the blades fight, but you know that was that was a freak injury. That was nothing. Like, That's the fight that I think causes Tom the most issues. Mm. And obviously, look, he went in there with a knee injury. You you can't like that fight means nothing. But when I look at the heavyweight division now for Tom going forward, um, I'm thinking, right, well, Cyril Garn. Cyril Garn is a good shout to maybe get a, a title fight against Tom because I do think that Tom will defend the interim belt before Jones comes back. So Cyril Garn is an option. I don't think Garn hold a, holds a candle to Tom when it comes to, like, take down defense and, and all that kind of stuff. I think Tom will take him down. If Tom just stood and struck with him, he's playing a bit of a dangerous game. He's playing into Cyril's hands there a little bit. Maybe that could go wrong for Tom. But if he goes in there and goes, I'm going to be light on my feet. I'm going to hit him with a one-two and then just hit the takedowns, get the clinch, take him down. I think Tom takes Cyril all day long. Jelton Almeida, too small. Way too small. Jelton Almeida, as we saw with the Derek Lewis fight, Great grappler, really good wrestling, is undersized for the division. And Tom would beat him up on the feet and match him, if not better him, on the ground. Has Blade's got um, a fight in the pipeline? Well, no, he was supposed to fight Almeida, but then got injured. Right. Blades is the only person that I look at and go, I mean, outside of Jones. Outside of Jones, obviously, because well, we still don't know about Jones. But Blades is the only person where I go, athletically, very, very gifted, incredibly good grappler, and has improved his striking. Again, I would still favour Tom. But I think stylistically, Blades is the only person in the heavyweight division outside of John Jones where I go, that's a tough fight. That's a tough fight. I think the rest of the division, I think he walks all over him. But Blades is coming off of, am I right, a defeat to Pavlovich? Um, his last fight, I'm not sure, because he was, well, he was scheduled to fight Jelton Almeida, and then he had to pull out with an injury. But he might be coming off of a loss, you might be right to Sergey. Uh he definitely fought Sergey and lost I think in the first round. Yeah. Um so like I mean I'm not saying he's getting the title shot yeah. next. That's not what so, I'm saying. I'm just saying it in terms of stylistically I do think that that is a difficult matchup for Tom. Um but not not one I wouldn't favor him in just difficult. So what, yes his last fight yeah. Blades was was the Sergey Pavlovich. So I loss. think Pavlovich is the interesting person left in the equation now because the rest of that heavyweight division are going to be going, fuck that. I do not want to fight this guy because it's not for a belt. Like, who's going to want to fight him? I mean, Almeida, potentially. I guess he's the only other person in that division that's on a... He's climbing the ranks rather than kind of just sort of sitting within them, if you if you see what I'm saying. Like, and I don't think anyone's going to want that Pavlovich power unless it's for, for something big. And also... Pavlovich versus Almeida, Pavlovich versus Blades. Are they big fights? Well, that's the, but that doesn't matter now. Pavlovich is now in a position that Tom would have been in if he'd lost, where he's incredibly highly ranked. People will want to fight him to get that ranking spot. 
and um, he can headline fight nights or he can be a featured bout on a on a pay-per-view card and and that be absolutely fine you know Nganu wasn't always the headline act even mm. after I think he'd fought and lost to to Stipe I think he might have fought like Rosenstrike or some other people on his way back to a title and so you know that that that's where Pavlovich is at now, and Pavlovich is only thirty-one, I think. So mm. he could very easily we could easily get Tom Aspinall versus Pavlovich two in the next two three years. Mm. But Pavlovich needs to go out there and do what Ngannou did and earn that uh, number one contender spot back by going out there and knocking people out in, in first rounds again, which he's very capable of doing. Um, but in terms of what's next for Tom, uh, I think it's got to be. I think it will be Cyril Garn. Well, we, we, we got, I guess we've got to look at the extent of John Jones's injury and how long he's going to be out for. You know, I think... Well, it's meant to be eight to ten months, I think. And, and, and when Jones comes back, he's going to fight Stipe. He's not going to fight Aspinall straight away. He's going to fight Stipe. Dana has said that he wants that fight to still happen. So that's, that's the fight that's going to happen. The heavyweight belt will be on the line between Jones and Stipe. Then... Probably our late summer early uh, autumn of next year. Well, that, 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 Tom will defend the belt before then as an interim belt. Like, much maybe like twice then. The middleweight belt. Well, it, it depends because, well, I don't Tom's know. Tom's just put one Dana minute, is, nine seconds in and he's come out of it completely unscathed. I think Dana is going to want him to sit and wait for a bit because as much as he could turn around and fight immediately, there's not a spot for him to do that. Because as we've established, we if you haven't checked it out yet, we did a bonus episode the other day which came out where we talked not only about differences that are going to happen with this show, but also with uh, about the um, uh, title fights that have been scheduled for next year. You've got Drickers Duplessis, Sean Strickland in January, Tapuria Volkanovski in February, and Sean O'Malley, Chito Vera in March. All of those are headliners. Tom is not going to be on any of those cards. After that, you've got UFC 300. I don't think they're going to do an interim heavyweight title shot as uh, uh, title fight as their UFC 300 that, headliner. If that okay. happens, that's Conor Chandler, right? Surely, if if they can get Conor to fight, then that's 300's got to be well, it, isn't it? Possibly, but equally, it makes sense to not have Conor Chandler at UFC 300 because Conor will pull in so much money that if you did him at 301, then you've got kind of like a double hit. True. You've got 300, which people will pay for because it's 300. And then you've got Conor Chandler, which people pay for because it's Conor. Mm. So business-wise, they might do 300 because Conor might want that on his legacy because he missed out on 200 because of what happened with... Um, uh, like was it like Nate Diaz and 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 everything else that was going on? Because he was two oh five was him versus uh, Eddie Alvarez, I believe. That was the first Madison Square Garden card, and then uh, UFC. I can't I can't remember what it was where he fought, fought Nate Diaz, but was not two hundred. It was like two oh one, two oh two, whatever it was. So they could do that again, or maybe Connor will want to have three hundred because he missed out on two hundred. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but either way, so Tom probably won't be able to fight until May at the earliest of next year, but they've already spoken about the potential for not doing a March card in London 
and doing something in July instead. And there's also rumours about that being in Manchester. Nothing confirmed, nothing done. Dana White said he loves the O2, so it could still be there. But there are rumours of a, a, a card coming to Manchester at some point next year, which could be in July. If that happens, it makes all the sense in the world to make it a pay-per-view event, to make Tom the headline act because he's a Northern boy. It just that just makes so much sense, and it also makes sense to go Cyril. Just you know, jump on the Eurostar, come over, and uh, and there you go. So it just it, it, it makes it very simple. The other thing is because there's such a wait, maybe they will do Cyril Garn versus Jelton Almeida to uh, solidify a number one contender for that interim belt. That's very possible uh, as well. So there, there's options. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's there for Tom. I think if it, it if it was up to Tom, I'm sure he'd be like, well, give me the fight in March. And, and and make it a London pay-per-view. And, and the UFC could still change things. But you know UFC 300, I'm assuming, will be in Vegas. And they've got all the other cards sort of sorted. They haven't got exact locations for February and March. But I can't imagine Sean O'Malley being um, anything other than the headline act. And if he's the headline act, there's no point doing it in England. You're going to do it in, you know, California or Vegas or wherever. So... The schedule for the UFC is what's prohibiting Tom from defending that belt earlier, I think. Okay. Well, should we move on to uh, the fight that followed? I guess so. I just don't want to move on. No, I don't. I just just want to talk about Tom (laughs) and how the fact that we have a UK heavyweight champion of the world, and you can throw interim in there as much as you like. I, I, I think even if... Uh, you want to talk about John Jones. I just don't think John Jones is going to stick around. Uh, you could say John Jones is the best heavyweight on the world. Uh, you know, I, I can't argue with you too much, whatever. John fine, Jones but was tweeting nice he's things not fight. to about Aspinall. Was he? Yeah, he said like... Well, yeah, like he, yeah. 
But I, I, I would look at that last night and just think, oh, I don't know if I fancy that. Like, but you don't need to if you're Jones. He's got loads of money. He's about. He's going to fight Stipe again, which is a very winnable fight, and he'll earn a packet from that. He's already the greatest light heavyweight of all time. A lot of people still think of him. We had Lerone Murphy on the preview to, to UFC 295. He's like, no, he's the greatest to ever do it. It's very hard to argue with that. My point was it would be impossible to argue with that if he stuck around after beating Stipe and beat Tom Aspinall. If he did that, it's impossible to argue with him because he would have matched... Oh, no, he wouldn't have matched UFC heavyweight title defences because he needs to get three. But even so, I think a win over... Cyril Garn, Stipe, and Tom Aspinall, and all of his stuff that he did at light heavyweight, then it's just unquestionable. Yeah. It's unquestionable that he is the greatest to ever do it. A lot of people think it's unquestionable now, but, you know, whatever. But I, I think that it's worth sticking around for in terms of legacy. But equally, I can see how he might go, do you know what? I'm getting older. I don't really fancy that. I'm going to earn way more money just fighting Stipe, and then I'll go off into the sunset, and people will still say I'm the greatest to ever do it, and maybe I'll pop back in two or three years for some kind of legacy fight. Who knows? But um, well, One of the other yeah. people that uh, are going to be regarded as one of the all-time greats uh, literally has been doing MMA for about a month, and, uh, and that's two, <laughs> two-way. <laughs> Alex Pereira. I mean, the conversation would not have... We would not be having this conversation like a year and a half ago, two years ago, would we? It is insane what we've seen. And and I mean, I, I mean before we get into the, 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 the fight, and I mean, the, the, there was so much of the early, you know, parts of that first round where we've been seeing that low kick he throws, which is so unorthodox. You know, he doesn't set it up. There's no, he doesn't arc it in. It's just rapid. He doesn't, he doesn't telegraph anything. It's fucking crazy and i watched a little video um with him in the week where uh oh i saw a fantastic video where he's pranking dc um and then uh dc was saying show me this this low kick and uh yeah and he, he just clipped him and he went what was that out of 10 and he was like one and he was like okay just give me three and he, he literally just barely moved his upper body and just threw this little kick in, like which doesn't look like anything. And DC was like, "Fuck!" Like, and then we saw that in this fight, to, or, almost kind of dictate the first round, didn't we? You could see Yuri was switching stances, yes. and it, I, I don't think he realised just how effective that that kick is. I'm sure he knows it now. I'm sure his legs are fucking killing because yep. it was so much power in it. It was and it doesn't look powerful, does it? As you say, there's no wind up, there's no telegraphing of that kick. It just seems to just. It looks like he almost gently throws it in there, yeah. but clearly it's unbelievably powerful. Uh, right on the calf as well. The first one really affected Yuri. You mm. could see, and he ate about four in the first round that were like he was clearly really damaged by, and then in the second round he ate a few more as well. I think. I mean, the first round was actually, I think. Uh, a tricky one to score because it was like the hard leg kicks of Pereira versus I think one uppercut from Yuri and then a little bit of minimal ground and pound. So I kind of thought it could go either way. And then round two, Yuri. He threw that uppercut um, again in the second round. I really like that. Harry winds yeah. that in from quite a distance as well. Yeah, and Yuri's whole thing is odd angles that you're not expecting and stuff. And and Yuri, I thought was was winning. Other than the, the leg kicks clearly damaging him a little bit and taking away some of his mobility, 
Yuri, I thought, was winning the second round and could have been, you know, technically two rounds up on a scorecard, however you want to say it. But um, he just, he was pushing Pereira back against the fence. And I felt like he was landing a few decent strikes. And Pereira just, I don't know, to me, he looked a little bit unsure. He just looked like he didn't know quite what to throw other than the leg kick because nothing really from his hands was getting through. Yeah, but how, how, sudden, do, how do you prepare? Got... How do you prepare for Yuri? Like, it's such unorthodox well, yeah, movement. But that's it. But in the fight, I felt like Pereira hadn't really got going other than the leg kicks, which clearly were very, very damaging. But Pereira didn't look overly comfortable. And then all of a sudden, he lands this monster of a left hook with his back up against the fence. And Yuri just crumbles. You could see the power is there. He just crumbled down. And credit to Yuri, crumbled sort of into a double leg. Uh, and then that was when Pereira was able to just get those elbows off and Yuri fell backwards. And, and it looked like it was potentially an early stoppage at first watch. And the commentators were saying that and other people were saying that. But then no. Yuri himself came out mm. and said, oh, no, I... I was out. Like I, I would, I would have kept going. My body would have kept going because that's who I am. But I, I was out. Do you know what? I, I, like I, I thought the the commentary team um, jumped all over that as an early early stoppage, and I thought that I, I didn't agree with it. I thought um, I think Mark Goddard's the best in the business, and and I think he, he he's there. He's on top of that, and for me, it looked like his eyes went when he hit the deck, and. I mean, what what's to be gained from Yuri eating another two shots from Alex Pereira? Do you know what I mean? The, the, the job was done. He was not going to get out of that. It was ne- the, the fight was over, and and then I've gone on the socials and and sort of gone and had a look at what what people had to say about that. And and I love Yuri, and there was a lot of people just caning. Um, Mark Goddard, and I'll tell you what, if you if you do that, make sure you don't see him at a show because uh, listen to the episode when we had him on and he said, like, he's never met any of these people that have been giving him grief online and when he does, he's going to be like Eric fucking Cantona and he's going to go over that and into the crowd. So watch watch yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I thought if you're a fan of a fighter and, and, and it hasn't gone your way, then I think maybe you lean more towards, oh, yeah, that was that was too early. But I didn't think it was. And, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, I, I wasn't particularly fussed who won this fight. I, I, I like both fighters, and I thought it was just a, a great matchup. I didn't think it was an early stoppage. Did you? Watching it, yeah. Because also I think when you watch uh, Yuri, once the fight is called off and he's pulled off, Yuri sort of scrambles back to his feet relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, and he didn't like, I didn't get a good look at him on his feet afterwards. He didn't look overly wobbly. Um, am I upset about the stoppage? No, because I do think you're right in that. Had it carried on. And also, do you know what it is? Yuri came out and said, I was out. So therefore, Good stoppage, Mark Goddard. Doesn't matter what anyone thinks. If the fighter says, no, I was out, then that's it. Job's done. Game over. Um, but had Yiri come out and said, that was an early stoppage. You can see I scrambled back to my feet. Um, you know, whatever. I think the narrative kind of changes and, and shifts for people. Uh, you know, I, I'm someone that accepts what Yiri said and goes, fair enough, mate. You're out. Well done, Mark Goddard. Great stoppage. Um, but had he said the complete opposite, 
I think I might be here now going, uh, it was maybe a bit early, maybe a bit early because, you know, it, visually, he didn't look out. So, and, and in these big title fights, you think you've got, you don't want anyone to take extra damage, but it's, it's a really fine line. I wouldn't want to be a ref. This is no criticism of, of refs in general uh, at all, because I, I don't think any of us would want to do it. It's such a fine line, these big title fights. I think clearly Mark Goddard made the right decision. Yeah. But I think it just goes to show as well how much a fighter's post-fight speech or whatever can change the narrative because a lot of people were probably seeing it going, that was an early stoppage, but Yuri comes out and says, no, I was out. We're like, oh, fair enough, mate. But if Yuri comes out and says the opposite, I think there's a lot of people now bemoaning an early stoppage and having a go at Mark Goddard and thinking that they're vindicated in doing so. So uh, it's interesting. But yeah, I, I mean, on, on to Pereira. 11 MMA fights, two-weight UFC world champion. He's just broken MMA, isn't he? It's, it's, we, who, we talked about that Sean Strickland being a glitch in the Matrix the other day in how he dealt with Israel Adesanya. Alex Pereira is a, is a glitch in the Matrix. Like who does this? 11 MMA fights, not UFC fights, 11 MMA fights. Mm. And he is a two-weight world champion it's absolutely incredible and he called out israel adesanya saying he wants him to step up um i think it'd be fun I, i'd like to see that trilogy eventually i think jamal will probably go mate what about me what are you doing well that's what he did do because when he called him out jamal hill was very irate in the uh in the stands it's it seems uh on cage side he's, um, he's responded i think though. dana white has said has he? Yeah, he uh, he, Go sent, on, what did he, say? he he posted a picture of um, Pereira uh, at cold after he he put him down um, with um, Elsa's hair uh, photoshopped on top of him, uh, just saying "Let it go." <laughs> <laughs> that is actually pretty funny. I quite like that. Well done, Izzy. Um, but uh, but yeah, like, I, I'd favour Pereira in that light heavyweight. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think a light heavyweight, he he might be a different beast, but uh, but I'd want to see it. I'd love to see Izzy take a bit of time, put on a bit of weight, try and match him physically, and then go and fight him at light heavyweight. I'd be well up for that. But I think Izzy might want to have something more to say at middleweight. Um, And as you said, Jamal Hill is there, ready and waiting. I don't know what his recovery has been like from his ankle injury. I don't know how quickly he can get back in there. But Pereira versus Jamal Hill. That's a great fight. A great, great fight and a built-in storyline. Jamal Hill beat Glover Teixeira, uh, uh, Pereira's mentor and, and coach. So it, it would make a lot of sense to, to do this fight and build that narrative of the, uh, the apprentice trying to avenge the master and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I love a bit of that. So, uh, so yeah, and, and it'd be a cracking stand-up fight. Jamal Hill, the performance he put on against Glover Teixeira phenomenal performance great kickboxing skills great takedown defense you imagine that this would be a stand-up fight maybe Jamal would want to throw in a takedown or two just because I think you can see that's where Pereira is weakest Mm -hmm. but man that would be a cracking fight and also I said this on the preview show with uh, um, Laurel Murphy on it who uh, said that the ref would have to wear a helmet in this fight it leaves the door open 
don't book Johnny Walker versus Magomed Ankalaev too. I don't care that it was a controversial There's rumours of that. Whatever. There's rumours of that, I no, think, that that's already booked. No, no. Scrap it. Dana, Mick Maynard, whoever it is. No, you don't do Johnny Walker versus Magomed Ankalaev. No one cares. No one cares. Give me Johnny Walker versus Yuri Prohashka. Let chaos fly. Give the ref a helmet, as Lerone Murphy said, and just let it go. That's what you've Let's, got to call that. That's the one. Let chaos fly. That's That's got to let, be the tagline. Mate. Just, I, I'd like them to just put some extra padding around the fence, something that just pushes them back against each other. There'll be like two pinballs in there just love going it. crazy on each other. I would absolutely love it. Yuri Prohashka, Johnny Walker is a fight I really, really want to see. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, what card it was. Yes. What card? Yes. The main card was unbelievable. Speaking All these, everyone was a, was a finish. And while, while we're talking... Like heavyweights as well. We should also stress that I think um, it's kind of aerial announced, didn't he? That uh, Blahovic Rakic is uh, is on as well. So that's, yes, uh, that's yes. an interesting that's fight. part of the two nine seven mm. card, which is the uh, Sean Strickland, uh, you, uh, Sean Strickland versus Drickus Duplessis fight. Arnold Allen's on that card as well against Movsar Evlov. Really good card. Two nine seven looks like. Not as good as 296, which is coming up, which is going to be absolutely crazy. But, uh, Sean yeah. Strickland is a dick. An Why? What's he done? Absolute dick. Well, I mean, what, what, other than the usual, what's he done? More just caning women's MMA. And uh, oh, he got, he got into it. Sake. Shevchenko literally put it on him, which was hilarious. Uh, he was just, he was digging out. He started with Paige Van Zandt, then he went on to, oh, I can't think who else. And, oh, I uh, think I might have seen it. Was re- it was just grotty and rubbish. And he's, he's, he said some real... I, I literally... I don't know why I even looked at his Twitter. I think because Shevchenko retweeted something. I thought, oh, what's going on there? And then I just see a couple of his tweets, just some really insensitive shit about some horrible stuff that's going on in the world right now. And I just think, mate, shut the fuck up. Like, do you reckon I, he really means it, or do you reckon he's doing like? Is, is he being like Katie Hopkins, who I also thinks a dick, uh, uh, and is like just being like? It's my thing. That's what uh, I do. Like, is it like, like like you're playing the pantomime villain? You're, you're monetizing hatred at the end mate, of the day. Is, it, is, is what you're doing. You can be the pantomime villain, but you don't need to be a fucking idiot like that. You don't have to be yeah. really fucking disrespectful to people. And uh, yeah, oh, fuck that guy. And uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, I, I put that down, and then I went and watched um, uh, Pereira spark him again. It, it felt even better to watch it that time. <laughs> um, well, look, speaking of uh, women's MMA, uh, it was a big step up for Mackenzie Dunn, and I think it was a bit too much yeah. of a step. I think for me, in them, I, I, you know, her striking's come on a lot, but I think it hadn't come on to the level of Jessica Andrade, who's. who's Who's striking is phenomenal. You know, she's one of the best, you know, female fighters when it comes to to, to, to boxing and, and, and throwing her hands the way she does. And it felt to me, because she was throwing and she was throwing good jabs as well, Dern. And, and every now and again, she's sort of Russia, but it didn't. It didn't feel like it was, it, it felt a bit too wild and she was getting countered, like, because that's what Andrade can do perfectly. And every time she stormed her, like she got a few shots off, but it just felt like Andrade just was like, I'll, I'll take a step back, then I'm going to plant, and then I'm going to hit you, and you are going to go, oh, I don't really fancy this. And I think we saw that happen 
several times. Um, I think she was running out of ideas, Dan. Um, I mean, you know, it's been well documented that she's she's in, you know, she's got a lot of personal stuff going on at the moment. Whether that affected her performance, I don't want to say that because I think that takes away from what Jessica Andrade done. Um, I thought it was a a really well fought fight by Andrade, and I thought she just knew what her strengths were and knew what Dern's weaknesses were and highlighted them. And and you know, and, and I think it was a, a a decent performance from Dern, but you know, as, as it's been said by many, 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 many people, there's levels to this. And and I think yep. that was a step up that was a little bit too big for her. Yeah, I have to say, I was actually really impressed with Mackenzie Dern for the first round. I actually thought she was so willing to engage with a power puncher. And I, I, I said in the preview show that I feel like she'll get hit, get rattled early, and then be quite timid. Um, now... I think credit to Mackenzie Dern. I don't know. I don't think she was timid. I think she's just she she was rich. She was doing really well to begin with. I felt in the striking exchange, and I think maybe winning the fight up until towards the end of the first round when she got dropped. And to do that against Jessica Andrade shows fearlessness. It shows courage. It shows a skill set as well that maybe she she hadn't really possessed until more recently. But then after she did get cracked. I don't want to say she was timid, but she was in survival mode early. And she did come back and crack her with a one-two, I think, in the second round that looked good, but Andrade just ate it. But she did look like she was flailing around. The defensive striking sort of went out the window. It was like she wasn't covering up properly. The arms were outstretched and she was just trying to keep her at bay. And, um, yeah. She, she the, the shot in the first round really impacted how Mackenzie defended herself during round two. And but but having said that, she wasn't timid. She was willing to engage and trying to engage. And you know, credit to her, she went out on her shield. But there, as you said, levels in terms of the striking, there was levels. And Mackenzie, once she got rattled in the end of that first round, just her level seemed to drop. And uh, and that's when she got cracked and knocked down regularly, and that's when the fight got finished, and and, and rightfully so. Um, are we thinking in terms of what? Are we, are we thinking like th- th- this is the weight class that that, that suits Andrade? Yeah, I mean, but she she has lost to Tatiana Suarez and Yan Zhaonan down mm-hmm. there. I think Jessica Andrade now, even though she's not that old, she's had such an extensive, such a long fight career. You know, there's there's how old you are in years and then there's fight years and there's a lot of tread on those tires in terms of the amount of damage she's taken and all that kind of stuff. So I think that, I mean, she'll still be ranked like fifth or something like that. I think she is. She's, she's currently the fight fifth. I really, yeah, the fight I really want to see is the Andrade Rose trilogy. That's the fight I want to see. Two massive names. The trilogy is there. They're one and one. Rose has just lost up at flyweight. She, I think Rose in previous interviews has said she's quite interested in staying at flyweight, but I really want to see her come back down and take on Andrade and have that trilogy. That is a really fun fight because Andrade is not getting a title fight anytime soon. She's behind Yan Xiaonan. She's behind um, uh, Tatiana Suarez. So she's not getting a title fight anytime soon. But a fight against Rose would be massive. That would be a really great fight. Um, I can't see Rose in the in the rankings. 
Well, I'm assuming that's because she moved up to flyweight. Right, man. And she, uh, but she, she lost the fight. She didn't get ranked. So she maybe is technically unranked now because yeah. maybe they pulled her out of strawweight to go into flyweight, but she lost her flyweight fight as an unranked fighter, even though she would have been like within the top three or whatever had she won. So, but obviously she, Rose, Rose sort of surpasses rankings, doesn't she? Rose is bigger than rankings. Yeah, like, of course. Rose could come back and have a... She probably shouldn't, but she could come back and fight for the title in her first fight, especially with Zhang Wei Li being the champ. Mm. She could go straight into a title fight, and I don't think anyone would go, oh, no, she's unranked. It's like, well, no, she, she's Rose. Yeah. And she's not... She doesn't deserve to be unranked. If, you, if Rose had a fight booked and the UFC wanted to get to her and go, we need her to be ranked for this, for, to book mm. this fight, you could easily stick her in the top five and no one would bat an eyelid because she's got the resume to suggest she, she belongs there. Yeah. So I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, Benoit Saint-Denis. Ooh, mama! Against uh, Matt Fravola. That was... I, I, I do not... Like, he is the god of war, mate. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, great fight, you know, for the, for the amount of time it lasted. Um, he's the real deal, isn't he? And, I mean... He is. It, uh, when he threw that head kick... I, it, it looked like his leg was about fifteen foot long, like it, because it, it, it kind of as he was like, um, Fred was backing off, and he just threw it, and it just kind of almost looked like he just grazed him, and it but, looked like he hit him with his toe, didn't yeah, he? Like yeah. he hit him with his big toe, but, but it was enough to just send him out. Hell, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm I excited. actually felt like. I felt like Frivola was actually doing really well yeah, and maybe yeah, getting some of the better of the uh, yeah. wrestling exchanges up to that point. I, I felt like Frivola was doing really well. And I also felt like after the sort of scramble and exchange that led to Frivola sort of backing away, I don't know. I thought it, he felt like he was backing away with his hands too low and just like, I wonder if he and his team will look back at that and say, I'm trying to think of the politest way of putting this. It seemed like an un- an unforced error. It was a bit bit like a kind of you know tennis. He's, it was an unforced error. He he maybe should have been thinking about getting those hands up a little bit quicker. I mean, it's easier said than done. And who the hell am I to be talking that way? Um, but that was just what I saw. I felt I felt like when he was backing off, it was more about he could have done more to prevent that than Saint Denis making that happen. But maybe that's taking away from Saint Denis. But having said that. I'm a huge fan of uh, Benny St. Denny. And uh, oh, hello. he's a, uh, that's my new nickname for him, Benny St. Denny. And uh, yeah, I mean, and what I loved as well was at the end of the fight, you know, Matt Frivola is a, a, an American army veteran. St. Denny, as we've mentioned on this show, ex French special forces, phenomenal guy uh, on Armistice Day as well. Um, and they both saluted each other. Did you see that? Yeah. They went up nice. to each other and saluted each other. I mean, we had the Pavlovich and uh, Aspinall moment at the start of that fight. And then at the end of the Benny Sandeni and, and Matt Frivola fight, you had the salute in. Uh, it, there were some beautiful moments on this card. There really, really was great stuff from both of them, as say, ex, ex-war veterans saluting each other after that moment in the cage. And I just think the only thing that went wrong with, uh, with Sandeni was the call-outs. Not good call-outs. Did you hear what he was saying? No, no. Because, I mean, he's going to be ranked on Monday, right? Because Favola was 14, so he's going to find himself in the top 15, you'd presume. Um, Yeah. 
Who he did find himself in the top 15. Who did he call out? He called out My Justin Kano? Gaethje. Oh, come Justin on. Gaethje, who's... Uh, he called out about three people. He called out Justin Gaethje. Gaethje was there, so fight, maybe that's, gonna, that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. And Dustin Poirier was there, who was his other call out. It's like, Justin Gaethje is about to fight for the belt. He's not... He's not taking on Benoit Saint-Denis. But Justin Gaethje can sit around for ages. His next fight is Islam Makachev. That, that's it. Um, whether Islam goes for Oliveira first or not, I still think Gaethje just waits around and goes, my next fight is for the belt. Mm. Dustin Poirier is too big. He ain't fighting Benoit Saint-Denis. There's just no way. Dustin Poirier is ranked like one, two, three, something like that. You're going to be ranked between 14 and probably 12 on Tuesday. You're not going to fight Dustin Poirier. Then his other fight was Gamrot, who I think has come off a win recently against Fiziev. So he ain't going to be looking behind him in the rankings. He's moving forward. Yeah, so, Gamrot's ranked sixth. There's absolutely no way he's going to no fight way. someone ranked 14. Like, I, I, I think tell you, Jalen Turner. Yes, that's a that's a good that's a good shout. Actually, I wasn't thinking of Jalen. Uh, um. You got Moicano at third, oh, so there's a potential. I've there. just just got rid of my uh, UFC rankings page by accident. Um, but I tell you who I was leaning towards, and then I'm going to check out the rankings. And I know this is a big leap, Go on. but this person is coming off of two losses, so I don't think that this person can really uh, pick and choose. Go on, and it's Rafael Fiziev. I knew he was going to say that. Yeah, what? I mean that's a fight. Though. That that is a fucking fight as well. That is. Yeah, I mean Jalen Turner's a good shout for sure. The winner or or potentially loser of Bobby Green Dan Hooker, which will be coming up soon, or the loser of Arman Sarukian versus Benil Dariush. That's also a shout. But I just feel like Viziev fought a little while ago. Saint Denis did not take any damage, and I just think that oh no Fiziev got injured didn't he in his fight yeah of course yeah that's not gonna work yep scrap that I, I really like to see and I think Saint-Denis deserves a, a huge test mm. I think you can give saint you don't have to give Saint-Denis 12 or 11 I think you can throw him into like a a guy in the kind of nine to five range and mm. just see how he goes uh because he seems so exciting but yeah, Fiziev would have been great, but I'm assuming he's still injured. He, he messed up his knee in that fight with Gamrot. So then I think you are looking at either the winner of Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, which comes up on December 2nd, or the winner, uh, loser, sorry, of Benil Dariush, Armand Sarukian, which is also on the December 2nd card. Everyone will be on a kind of similar timetable. And uh, yeah. I think those are really good fights. And Moicano's a fun fight. Jalen Turner, who you pointed out, really fun fight as well. Mm. There's loads. Benoit Saint-Denis against almost anyone in that division is going to be a cracking fight for the hardcore fans or casual fans, I think, to just watch and enjoy. But in terms of his progression moving forward, I'd like to see him take on someone a little bit higher up the rankings. I think we can, uh, we can push Benoit Saint-Denis now and, and give him a really good shot. I don't think there's any reason to take it slow with him right now. Okay. Um- I mean, I, you, you touched on it earlier. Like, people weren't hanging around on this main card, were they? Like, if we oh, look at no. uh, Lopez and Sabatini, again, first round stoppage. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he dug deep and pulled that out, and good night. It was a 
fucking ferocious stoppage of uh, of, of punches to uh, to give uh, Lopez the win. Um, but I don't know if you've got much to say about that because the fight that I'd like to really talk about on this on on, on the prelims um, was the um, was Loopy versus Ricci. Um, oh, that's really interesting because I didn't get to watch that fight properly because kids were all over the place. But I would like to talk about Lopez Sabatini. Okay, and I'll just I only and I won't take too long. I think Lopez is potentially a special fighter. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm really high on him. I think he's big for the weight class. He came in on short notice and gave Movsar Evloev a really tough fight and nearly submitted him two or three times in that fight, and he took it on short notice. And mm. Evloev is a beast, as we'll see when he fights Arnold Allen uh, in a few weeks. Um, I think that... Uh, Lopez has phenomenal jiu-jitsu. Clearly has KO power. We saw that last night. He has a good chin as well because he took some shots and he, he takes shots off of people well. Uh, he's also got a belly button that looks a bit like a Cheerio. I don't know if you noticed that. Looking he's got at him uh, really yeah, does look got like a, a Cheerio. He, it looks like a Cheerio and, um, um, you know, I think he should... Uh, I can't stop looking at it, Blake. It or something. I can't yeah, stop it's a- <laughs> looking at it. It's so uh, weird. It is a weird belly button, isn't it? It's a cheerio. It's like someone's face just going, um, But yeah, so I'm a big... Uh, I reckon he should tattoo a face around it and that's the mouth. Like a surprised face. looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Please go and look at Diego Lopez's belly button. Because um, it does look like a cheerio. But I really, really like him. I, I think I think this guy could do a lot of stuff at featherweight. I'm 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 really yeah. I just think he's got just he's dangerous everywhere. I think he's more lethal on the ground with his jujitsu. He might come up against like with Movsar Evloev, a big a wrestler that can uh, dominate him down there, and maybe he'll struggle with that. But on a full camp, maybe he would have given Movsar more problems, you know. So uh, yeah. I, I, I'm high on him. I think he's a really good fighter. Um, let's move on to your fight then, Godinez Ricci, because I didn't get to watch this properly. So, so talk me through it. I'll tell you, you probably didn't watch it, Sean Strickland, and he should have watched it because what you got there was a fucking incredible um, fight between two absolute brawlers. It was a, it was fantastic. It was like toe to toe, and it was just a, a really. For me, I, I didn't really know too much about either of them. Um, I know that they're, I think they're both ranked. And um, it was just a fucking super exciting fight. They both just stood and traded. Um, and I think I'd not long before that, for some reason, gave Sean Strickland's tweets a little bit of my time and it just wound me up. And when I saw this, I was like, mate, this is women's MMA and it's fucking fantastic. Um yeah, yeah, it was it was absolutely. Uh, Loopy got the decision, um, and it, it was you know it was a pretty tight fight. But I think both of them are, are, are a problem at one one five. I think we've got uh, two fantastic fighters there, and yeah, they stood and banged. It was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Another stat for for Godinez, first female fighter to win four fights in a calendar year, and I believe her first fight this year was in like April or May or something. So she's actually done it in like seven or eight months. Yeah, she needs a break four now. Four fights in a calendar year. Yeah, that um, that, that was a a, a a a heavy old free rounds. You know, she may, maybe have a little holiday and enjoy Christmas. Uh, something I thought was uh, it won the fight of the night. And also, I thought it could be a potential fight of the year contender. 
was uh, Sadikov versus Borshev. Slava Claus. Oh, my God. That was an incredible fight. It ended in a majority draw mm. because it looked like uh, old Slava Claus won uh, round one and round three, and it was a 10-8 in round two. It's this. If you haven't seen this fight, what a cracking fight this is. The com- Borshev's kickboxing, his combinations, absolutely unreal. And then Sadikov, just the power. The power of him and then the wrestling as well and the ground and pound opened Borshev up um, and with, with elbows on the ground and, and was just hitting him with power in the top. Like really close to finishing him in round two, which was what gave him the 10-8 on two judges' scorecards. Um, and then amazingly, Borshev in round three comes back. Mm. And wins that round. It was, I mean, he was ripping to the body, kicking crisp combinations. Like, this was a cracking fight, a really, really brilliant fight. Mm. That I think come, come when people start talking about the fights of the year, the higher profile fights will always be the ones people talk about. I've just realized my Mac's on low battery, so I better sort this out quick. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm gonna have to leave you because the bat- the charger's not in here. Oh I'm my god, run. I'm gonna have so, to, I'm gonna have to kill time. Talk about something else. Okay, well, um, the, the the Steve Ersig fight, and and I mean, he, he's got, and I think the word unassuming uh, is something that uh, Blake touched on. Uh, he's just got this face that just looks like, yeah, yeah. I suppose we'll have a fight. Um, and I was quite excited to see um, him. Uh, did he open the main card? No, I think he may have uh, headlined the prelims. Um, was actually. Uh, from someone with, whose face is so unassuming, uh, the fight was actually, I thought, quite un, un, uh, uninteresting. Um, oh, what have I missed? Uh, I was just talking about, I went back up to um, uh, Mr. Unassuming Face, uh, Steve Ersegg, and uh, and and just how actually the fight was actually quite oh. uninteresting as uh, uh, it, it did not do anything for me. Um, but I, yeah, I thought it was all right to begin with. Third, third round was a bit clinch up against the fence, wasn't it? Yeah. But- I love the fact that Ersig just looks like... Did you ever watch Succession? No. Ah, so if anyone's watched it, he looks like Kendall Roy and Steve Carell had a baby. And that is... Uh, that's that's what Steve Ersig looks like. And I love that. I'd say I said this on the um, previous show. I love fighters that just look like just normal blokes that are like very unassuming, like Ryan Hall and, and Steve Ersig. So, uh, He's got yeah, them Ryan Hall chops. He just, he just looks yeah. like... Everything's just like, huh? yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll just have a fight. Yeah, fine. That's fine. Yeah, do you want to go for like a cup of tea afterwards? Uh, yeah, yeah. Lovely fight. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Rovetsky, uh, oh, Roosevelt Roberts boom. by arm bar. That was, uh, he's that a, was problem. a bit of a nasty one. He does look like a problem. I think he's 16 and one or something like that now, Rovetsky. Uh, little tank as well. Mm. Absolute, like, he's not tall, is he? He's just no. an absolute stacked little unit. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I don't think there's really anything else to talk about. Uh, no, to the remind no. people that we have a uh, a UK heavyweight champion of the world. Yes, uh, we have. Yes, we have. Brackets interim, but we don't care. Um, yeah, we don't care. But uh, yeah, phenomenal. Well done to Tom Aspinall. Incredible stuff. What a story. Takes the fight on two weeks' notice. Injured. Basically, doesn't have a, a camp, and he goes and does that to a re- incredibly scary knockout artist. And he said a few things in the prelude to this fight and post the fight as well, talking about just how like he was scared. He was scared of Pavlovich. He was underprepared. Yeah, well, you, you'd, you'd be lying if you said you wasn't scared of fighting Pavlovich. Yeah, but he said something in the press conference, the, the pre-fight press conference. 
where he's saying, I have a really good relationship with fear. And I do some of my best work when I'm afraid. And I was just like, that. I think that's inspiring stuff. I absolutely love that. So, I've, I've uh, found, yeah. like, I've always run my fastest when I experience fear. <laughs> There's like a dog chasing you. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like a rocket, mate. Um, shout out Cage Warriors. Uh, there was a fantastic card last night. Um, I'd urge you to go and watch the Will Curry fight, which was uh, phenomenal. Um but yeah, yeah, great, great Cage Warriors uh, event last night. Um, go watch that on Fight Pass if you missed it. Um, what else happened last night? I think there was a, I think there was a bare knuckle thing. I think Roy Nelson fought last night. I don't know. Uh, oh, I, don't, I don't know too much about it. In, on the old, uh, I think it was on the Game Bread thing. Um, I don't know. We don't really sort of. Oh yeah, there was Jason there. Knight. Looked. I, I saw some images. Of Jason Knight's face absolutely oh smashed God. to pieces. Yeah, I it saw that pre and post stitches as well. It was. Oh God! He had the old Robbie Lawler lip, didn't he? Like, yes, he did. Yeah, not very nice. Um, put, not some, good. put some gloves on, um, boys. Uh, <laughs> but having said that, yes, do put some gloves on. But equally, I'm never that bothered about bare knuckle. Eddie Alvarez, Mike Perry mm. looks quite fun. I saw. Did you see him? Punching, punching each, each other, other in the, the stomach. stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Perry's nuts. Um, yeah, and I, actually, I, I'm sort of intrigued. What's um, interesting? So yeah, he's he's uh, is, is he just kept saying to Alfred, "I'm so good at this shit." And the thing is, yeah, he is, he is, he is. <laughs> he's weirdly found his niche, isn't he? Yeah, he wasn't quite right for MMA. He probably wasn't quite right for boxing, but bare knuckle. He's, he's the champ. He's just really good. <laughs> it's, it's kind of scary. Um, uh, what's but, happened yeah, this year? Mike Perry's the I best in know. the world at something. He's a world champ. Sean Strickland's a world champ. The world's fucked, oh, mate. Man. It's gone mad. It has gone mad. Um, well, look. Thanks thank God for joining we've got us. the heavyweight champ um, of the world. Yep. Yep. We have a UK heavyweight champ. Um Let's see what happens next. If we can get an extra card in the UK or something because of a, a pay-per-view event, get Tommy on there. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, great stuff for Tom. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Alex Pereira, who keeps defying logic when it comes to MMA in his mm. 11th fight, two-weight world champion, and everyone else uh, that won last night. Uh, I think we're done. Uh, I think we say left- just... We we could just say uh, go check out our episode with Tom. We we had a uh, we had Tom on about a year ago, um, and it was a sort of career spanning chat about growing up and how he got into combat sports and stuff. It's a really fantastic episode, so go and check out our chat with Tom. Also, make sure. If you missed our little bonus episode, um, we've built a TV studio and we're going to really upscale the podcast uh, into into a real visual show as well. So you can continue to listen to this um, as you've been doing so. But if you want to watch something and see something looking really good, then we've got a big sports desk and screens and, and we're going to really kind of um, move things up. So um, it might be worth heading over to YouTube and subscribing just so you can check it out. Um, other than that, also coming your way. So uh, not only subscribe on YouTube, but subscribe subscribe wherever you get your podcast from as well because we've recorded and we're about to uh, release an episode with 10 time Muay Thai kickboxing legend John Wayne Parr we sat down with John Wayne and had a fantastic conversation with him one of them career spanning chats talking about how he got into it and how he become the legend that he is that's coming your way soon other than that should we talk about Gamcare? 
Oh, yes, let's talk about Gamcare. Gamcare, a fantastic charity that help people with gambling addictions. So if you haven't heard us talk about this before, uh, have a quick listen to this because uh, Gamcare can help anyone with gambling addictions and also family or friends of people with gambling addictions. So if you think you're someone that maybe suffers, maybe your wages are going straight on gambling, maybe you're looking at payday loans to supplement wages because you've spent them on gambling, anything like that then uh, please check Gamcare out. They have a 24-7 helpline. They've got instant messaging on uh, their little kind of chatbot stuff on their website. And uh, they also have um, can get you free counselling sessions. Uh, and they can get you them very, very quickly indeed. And not just for the person suffering with a gambling addiction, but also the family and friends of someone that are suffering. Because if you are suffering with a gambling addiction, it doesn't just affect you. It does affect your loved ones as well. And also... The idea of of gamblers has has, has changed. It's not, uh, you know, old men down at the races anymore. People on their phones now are, you know, losing awful lots of money on uh, various gambling apps. um, And that is what's leading people into severe financial problems, emotional problems, and so on and so forth. So, uh, Stu, have you got some of the details there for people to, uh, to get some help? Absolutely. That little pop-up chat box on the website, uh, you can access that. I've just opened up the website and straight away it pops up, talk to someone, uh, and you can get to there by going to Gamcare, G-A-M-C-A-R-E, gamcare.org.uk. That's gamcare.org.uk. Or call them for free on 0808 8020133. Once more, that's 0808 8020133. Gamcare.org.uk. We done. We done. Tommy Aspinall. Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Tomm